Did you know that service animals save the lives of disabled veterans, first responders, and their families? Today's Story of Hope gives insight into just how important these animals can be. Stay tuned. Welcome to Stories of Hope. I'm Christine Hotchkiss. Each week I bring you stories that inspire, educate, and give you hope. I want to thank my sponsor and podcast producer, The Motivated Mind Group. As an animal lover, I am absolutely amazed at the ability service animals have to be trained for specific tasks. I sat down with Ryan and Jana Newman, founders of Pups and Warriors Side by Side, also known as PAWS, a nonprofit organization assisting disabled veterans, first responders, and their service dogs. They joined me in studio with Ryan's service dog, Goose. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah we um, we have a special guest who's taking a nap on the set, but uh, that's okay. Goose is a special dog, and that is why you are here, because Goose is a um, service dog. Yes. Um, but before I get started, I want to say congratulations and happy anniversary on your 21 years of end. Thank marriage. you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, there's a little bit of story behind the both of you. I know, Jenna, you have about... 20 plus years in education. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Ryan, you served in the U.S. Army. Yes. Two great types of fields, but they both also have some downfalls when it comes to dealing with people, um, good and bad. Your program, PAUSE, helps with PTSD, which yes. goes with the Army. Mm-hmm. It also goes with education, I think, too. You have to deal with a lot of different students coming from different parts of their lives that we don't know where they're coming from, so they all have a story as well. Um, But this is also specific to helping first responders. Yes. Okay, and I will go ahead and let you start with telling me more about what PAUSE is and how it helps. So we are pups and warriors side by side, and we help train service dogs for veterans, first responders, and their qualified family members. the reason we started it in 2021, yeah, 2021 yes. <laughs> was uh, I had trained my other service dogs. I'd been working with an organization for about seven, no, eight years. Eight years. Um, COVID happened. We had a dog that was really sick. We couldn't go out. We were stuck at home. And we had a change of plan. She, she was working with me there. And we left the organization. And after COVID happened, um, we realized there was a need. Um, there's no organizations that help family members. Mm-mm. There's a lot of groups that help veterans, mm-hmm. but there's no groups that help the family members, and that's who really struggles. And there's no organizations that help first responders either. And my father was a first, or a first responder for 25 years, and those were my heroes growing up. My heroes didn't wear capes. They wore badges. Ah, oh, that phrase of the, of the yep. capes. I was a volunteer first responder um, because of my own story, and I thought I could help other people, but then you don't realize that that's also a trigger of some sort, mm-hmm. and I didn't have service dogs to help me get through mine. I thought, oh, I'll be the one with the cape or without the cape. So what you're doing, I think, is tremendously um, helpful, and then it goes back into where you have to deal with kids who are coming from who knows where, and you just talked about families. Yes. Um, tell me how this actually began. Because I understand this wasn't just a, hey, I'm going to do this one day and we're going to do this together. There was more that led up to this. Oh, yeah. No, for, for me, I joined the military. I was going to join for three years. And after three years, I was going to become an L.A. sheriff. And that was my goal. Hmm. Well, I signed up for um, three years in the Army and I fell in love with my job. Yeah. I met the love of my life. 
and I became a career and I was really good at my job. And we had just moved from Fort Hood, uh, Texas, where I'd been for almost three and a half years. And we moved to Fort Riley, Kansas in uh, February of 2003. And I just got to the new unit and Fort Riley, Kansas was never supposed to deploy. They never did anything. I'm like, I get to go relax. We, oh, you thought it was going to be easy. Yep. My okay. Wife, she was pregnant with our first child. Okay. We had just gotten married. We'd just gotten pregnant. And I go, let's go somewhere easy. Mm. I got the Fort Riley. And the day I got there, they, I went in and signed in. And the guy goes, you're going to Iraq. <gasps> I go, there's nothing going on in Iraq. And he goes, you'll be gone in the next three months. You're leaving. Oh, no. And we had just gotten there. We rented a house. And I, was, I got there in February. And I was gone in April. And I... We went for a year um, while I was over there. Our daughter was born. Mm. So I didn't get to meet our daughter until she was over eight weeks old. I've heard these stories, and now I get to sit in front of you to hear that this is, this is real. Yep. And so I did my first tour. I came home on leave, and I thought everything was okay with me. And my wife saw a different side of it. Okay. And um, I did my full tour. We got home. Uh, we were supposed to be out. They told us we'd have about 18 months off. And I was back in Iraq within nine months for another full year tour. Oh, boy. And uh, when I got home after my second tour, I had gone in for a physical, and they medically chaptered me. And I was getting ready to sign up for eight more or six more years than I was career. What's medical chapter? Um, I got hurt in Iraq. Okay. I, have a, I got a sp spinal injury. I had um, both my eardrums are blown out. Um, yeah, I had a lot of brain injuries. I came home, I stuttered really bad. And there was stuff going on and I didn't know what PTSD was, but when I went down to mental health because I wasn't sleeping okay. during this process, I went about two and a half weeks without sleeping. It got so bad that I'd hallucinate in my house. Oh, wow. And I was like, I need, something's wrong. Yeah. And so when I went and got help finally, I went to mental health and I was getting medically chaptered. And that's when my life started to fall apart. Was okay. I had gone in, um, as I was going out, they sent us to a job fair. And I had done eight years in the army. I was a sergeant in the army, and I went in with a kid that had been in for under three years who drove a fuel truck. Okay. And when I went to the job fair, they go, oh, you, you were a gunner on a tank. And I said, yeah. And he goes, you go over there. You can be a security guard or work in a corrections prison because you don't have any job skills. Oh, wait a minute. I thought when they go into the forgive me for saying this, when you go into the military, there's supposed to be that education that you don't have to worry about. That's the, the, the skills. And that's, that's what got me is I walked out with the kid that I just walked in with and he's happy. And I go, what's, why are you happy? I go, I was offered $35,000. And he goes, I just got offered $100,000 to drive a fuel truck. Oh no. Oh, and no. I got, my depression started to kick in because I wasn't part of my military anymore. So I lost my, my support system. Everybody I trusted, believed in. You were now in the civilians world. I was now a civilian Like world. our first responders, when yes. they have retired or they, ha yeah, I've heard this before. They now don't know what to do because they were used to doing something for so long that you're on the opposite I side of it. I got kicked off of the um, unemployment because I couldn't physically fill out my paperwork because I just thought I'd get denied because I, I just felt like I failed. I'm sorry that you had to go through that. How did that work for you having... You had to have a family without him here, and then he came back as a changed person. I, I think the hardest part was I knew something was wrong. I mean, I knew when he came home mid-tour leave when our daughter was born that he was different. And when we were going out to dinner that night, he was driving our SUV, and he went under an overpass and, like, swerved very erratically. And I was like, what are, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. And he just looked at me like, I'm so sorry. 
I, I, that's what we do in Iraq. I'm sorry. And I said, it's, you don't have to apologize. I just didn't understand it. And I think when they were getting ready to come home, the, the things that they told us were, don't ask if they've killed anybody. They'll tell you. Um, just be ready when they want to talk to you. And I, so we just waited. And I waited and I waited. And finally he goes, why do you all stare at me like I'm a monkey in a zoo? Wow. I said, well, what do you, what do you mean? I, I don't understand. He goes, we were all just waiting for me to do something crazy. And none of you will talk to me. I said, well, we were just told to just wait and you would share it with us. So that was a big hurdle to get over and trying to explain PTSD to other people outside of your home is, is always a challenge. You know, sometimes you'll say, you know, if you're clo- with close friends and you'll say something, they'll it's a trigger for them, mm-hmm. right? And I think a lot of people actually can qualify with the whole PTSD. But we talk about veterans the most because we hear about the suicide, which brings us to another part of a conversation that is very heavy, but people have to know about it. And with having you here and having an understanding as to why you both have this organization, I want to cautiously ask you, because I want you to share what's comfortable for you. Yeah. So in... About 2011, 2012, I had been out since 2006, and I just didn't fit in. Mm. I missed the military, but I didn't have Facebook, I didn't have any social media, and I was by myself. It was just hard, I didn't fit in, I didn't know what to do. And I did everything that I was told, I took all the medications they told me to take, but I was so, I felt like a zombie in my own body. I would watch my kids get into a fight and I had no emotions. I just watched them. I didn't care about anything. And um, in the process, I was tired of taking medications and I had started pricing service dogs because I knew I was going down a bad path and dogs have always been my sanctuary. Mm -hmm. Since I was a little kid, I always had dogs. They were always my best friend. I actually wasn't gonna marry Jana unless she let me get a dog. It, <laughs> That's I had, my test. I had the wedding ring at home and I didn't propose to her until I brought a dog home to see what she would say. Oh, wow. And so. <laughs> the test of love. Yeah. I guess so. So and during this time period, we had just lost our house, oh. our cars, and I priced service dogs and they started off anywhere from 17000 to $40,000 starting. Excuse me? Yes. And so during this process, I was just like, I'm just going to keep grinding away because I can't explain to my wife that I'm going to go buy a $20,000 dog, but I'm not going to make the car payment this month. That's what's going in yeah. my head just now. Yeah. And so <laughs> um, 2012, I was working full time um, and I was driving home and I hit rock bottom and I was on the 60. I took my seatbelt off and I drove onto incoming traffic and trying to get hit by a semi truck. Oh I just figured that my kids would be better off. I had four kids at the time. I figured my kids would be better off because they'd get life insurance. Janet could go get remarried, somebody that wasn't as screwed up as I was. Wow. And I pulled off the road, thank God nothing hit me. And I broke down and cried and I called the VA and I said, I need to get seen. And I had a really good psychologist. And I said, this isn't working. And she goes, I'll make you a deal. She goes, I'm gonna help you. And she goes, I'll help you get a dog. She goes, I have an organization that'll help you train you to train your own dog. And she goes, but you have to go inpatient for 30 days. Inpatient. Inpatient. And in the process, Jana's just got her master's degree and has to stop teaching because she has to be my full-time caregiver, which now I'm just more of a burden on my family because now I'm just... (laughs) 
a shell of a person. Yep. And I'm retired. At this time, I had just gotten retired from the Army. Mm-hmm. Or the uh, VA said mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to work anymore. Oh. So I was 33 years old. And I wasn't providing for my family the way I thought I should be. And as a man, that's huge. Yep. Understood. And so in the process, she got me hooked up with this organization. They got me in the program within a week. And it saved my life. It literally saved my life. I've now, I'm off of all my medications. Okay. And I have my best friend, Goose. My other dog, I had my service dog, Gus, for over nine years. He just retired on me. And in the process, I went to inpatient. I learned to let go of a lot of my demons. I had a lot of survivor guilt. Mm. And I had stuff that I wasn't responsible for that I, through the process of intensive therapy, that I learned wasn't mine to carry anymore. Mm. And it's, I call it dropping your rucksack off at the wall. It's our rucksacks where we carry all of our gear in. And I dropped it off at the wall. And I was able to say goodbye to it after that clinic. And that helped me. That, and it opened up a line of communication with my wife that I'd never had. Oh, wow. Well, and probably the kids, too, because they're just little trying to figure out yep. this man is supposed to be my dad and the roles that society has put on men. And then here's dad that's a, just a shell of a body. I became a fommy. I was the father mommy at home. Oh. <laughs> and I wasn't used to I was used to being hard charger, you know, go, go, go. And now I'm changing diapers and getting kids ready for daycare and was not what I was cut out for. <laughs> he did a great job, though. <laughs> You're still good dad. But here you are, fast forward, to pause. Yep. So you got that dog. Yes. Mm-hmm. The thing that the thing this service dogs really did for me was it gave me and my wife a buffer. A buffer. Of when she comes home and I would have a dog or two laying on top of me, mm-hmm. she would tell the kids, hey, dad's having a rough day. Go, let's go outside. Let's go to our rooms and play video games tonight. And what it did is she would come home instead of going, what's wrong with you? Mm. She gave me a 30, 40 minute window, my dogs would leave. And she'd be like, hey, I saw the dogs on you, are you okay? If we could all just understand that communication is key. Let me have my time out, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. and then let me come back to where I need to be. And besides my dog saving my life, he saved my marriage. Because I wasn't able to communicate. I don't, I didn't know how. I was ashamed of myself, I was ashamed of what Mm -hmm. I tried. And I found through this of, through the therapy I went through, I learned that I just have to talk. Mm-hmm. And if it makes you uncomfortable, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. But this is my story. I have nothing to be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. And I did my job at a high level. And I made friends for life doing what we did. We just were in a very unfortunate circumstance of doing it. I call it the me too factor. You now can relate to people that say, I thought I was the only one feeling this way. Oh, yeah. Or wasn't feeling this way, as you've already mentioned. Well, I was in a combat arms unit, so it's all men. All kind of very gung-ho. Not emotional like a bunch of women. Yep. No. <laughs> and it was, stuff happened over there. You, you don't have time to stop. No. Somebody gets hurt. Somebody gets killed. You just work. You keep doing your job because that's your job. Yeah. And so for 12 years, I just had anger. Mm. And I've learned to let go of my anger and have more compassion because of what we do with pause. Very understanding. You have to have that person that's going to be understanding. Not everything is perfect every day. It's oh, not no. ever going to be. But that understanding and the communication and the boundaries. Yep. And that's really for us. That was the start of healing us as a couple mm-hmm. is because she never understood what happened to me. And she probably didn't have to. She just no, knew that. She just something. knew. Mm-hmm. But my dog's the one that opened up communication for us to go, this is why I'm this way. With no words. No words. 
And it stopped all the fights because I'm instant reaction. So I would think she was attacking me. I feel broken inside, so I'm just going to lash out at you as mean as I can so you leave me alone. And I'm a teacher at heart, so I ask a million questions. (laughs) I'm a podcaster. I ask lots of questions. (laughs) And so it's for for me, that day that I drove into traffic, I used to be ashamed of it. Mm. I didn't tell anybody about it except for my doctor. I didn't tell her about it for probably 10 years. Okay. And... I had to forgive myself. Mm. And from that, it's shown me empathy and the ability to just listen sometimes. Our friendly sleeping furball here. <laughs> His name is Goose. Was he already named that or is that something you gave no. him? Because I think of Goose, I think of Top Gun. Yep. So he actually came with a different name. His name was Asher. He was one of our students. Okay. And uh, my dog had just retired. And Gus has been my lifeline, my best friend, my battle buddy for the last nine years. Okay. He's been with me nonstop. And when he retired, it broke me. Mm. Like I was heartbroken mm. and I didn't want to do it again. Mm-hmm. And he has been a gift. One of my students couldn't handle him. He was a full, full puppy. And uh, she asked if we wanted him and I took him in. Uh, I, I, when I told my wife, I said, he's going to be my wingman. And my favorite character in Top Gun is always Goose. I was always like, why couldn't Maverick been the one that hit it and Goose made it? <laughs> and so when I decided to get a new dog, he's my wingman. He's with me through thick and thin. Okay. So let's get into the program yes. now. This is the good stuff as to why you had to go through what you went through, which yes. is unfortunate. We all have something that we go through. And I was actually, I, I should have had Kleenex here because you caught me there when someone says they don't think that they were worth anything more and that someone else can carry on with another person in their life or the kids can find someone else that's going to love them and do whatever you felt you weren't able to do. I almost wanted to start crying because there are so many people, myself included, that have had something happen that think that that's the easy way out, which Mm -hmm. is why we have suicide, unfortunately. Um, Welcome to your second chapter of your life. Let's get into the program because you've talked about veterans, but we also talk about first responders. Yes. Tell me more about the program. Oh, Jenna can absolutely do yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. So what we do is we keep our classes pretty short, eight, eight, eight to ten people in, in attendance, more like a platoon. Okay. And what they do is they either bring, we help them find a dog if they need help, or they bring in their own dog. And we meet once a week for about two hours. And we take up anywhere from six months at a minimum up to a year or more, whatever they need. It's tailored for their needs. So working with disabilities, each person is going to have different needs. And and the path to their healing journey with training their dog is going to be a little bit different for each one. But we spend the first part of our program teaching just the basic obedience, the basic behaviors. And then we start getting into uh, the public access where we get them out to different places like we've visit grocery stores we teach them how to shop so when they come to class we're like bring your grocery list and they're like what i go bring your dog bring your grocery list we're going shopping yeah. and so we teach them how to properly shop how to you know where the dog stays when they're opening up the freezer departments when you're when you're in the meat de- you know meat department and you don't want to just have your dog jumping up in the meat display and I mean, I don't want dog fur on my meat. So, <laughs> um, And then after we do our public access, during that time, we're also teaching them how to do service dog tasks. So we train a minimum of, of four tasks for each handler and their service dog. But there are some that will walk out with more tasks yep. than that. And that's 
going back to the price of them. So when I priced my first service dog, he was going to be $20,000 and he did one service task. So that would be like blocking how goose stands between us when we talk. Yeah. That's one service task. If I wanted to get another one, let's say for a nightmare detection, for somebody to train him for me was another $10,000. What? Every task on average is five to $10,000 when you're buying a service dog. So you can't have one dog that just learns all these different. That's we, and our dogs do a minimum of four. Okay. And we do all the training. We, we provide all the training, all the gear uh, to them, except for the vest, completely free for them. So when they come in, they get around about anywhere from six, it's about what, 650 bucks worth of gear on average. They get just walking in the door just so they don't have to worry about it. Most of our veteran community is on retirement of some sort. Right, a limited And budget. so they're very limited income. Mm-hmm. And trying to go out and go, I need to go out and spend 600 bucks for safety gear for my dog is going to get the same look I did when I told my wife I was going to buy a dog over the car. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I don't think so. <laughs> um, we work we work with two different rescues locally. Okay. And we have two breeders that are out of state that all donate dogs completely free to us. I'm going to stop you there. Different types of dogs, because we know this is a yep. golden do- goose, excuse me, goose is a golden yep. doodle. You have different types of dogs that are actually yep. specific. I've to- actually trained everything from chihuahuas to mastiffs. Oh, um, and we train everything from picking up items, compression therapy, where a goose will actually climb up on my lap mm-hmm. um, if I'm having a panic attack, and I have a 75-pound weighted blanket wow. that comes up and lays on me. Um, diabetes detection, seizure detection, um, picking up items. I'm a fall risk from the head injuries. Mm-hmm. And so my other dog, actually, when I fall, would come over and he stands there and I have a, a ladder to use to get up off the ground. He'll actually brace for me so I can use him to get up off the ground when I fall. Okay, so now we got to talk about training because you've talked about a lot of different different abilities that yes. people will have. There's lots of them out there. How do you know how to get trained for the certain needs that these individuals will require? We have to have a lot of uncomfortable conversations. <laughs> and we stress honesty because yep. if they can't be honest, you're not gonna you're not gonna complete the full journey. And it, I mean, really, it's an ongoing journey to heal. We're we're just a part of it. But it has to be 100% honesty or else we'll never get to the bottom of it. And sometimes through building those relationships as we train more and more, then you can have more and more difficult conversations. And it can lead to getting them the proper help that they need. And, and, that's, why, and that's why we run it the way we do. We run eight students. We have six trainers on staff at all times. And then my two daughters are almost at every class. My daughter is 19 and 15. And Ireland's 15. She's been training with me since she was about five years old. So when we go out into public, you have one-on-one training, pretty much with a professional trainer. And we do a lot of platoon building. Mm -hmm. When you work with a dog, you get about 30 minutes of training max, Mm -hmm. and the dogs tap out. But we have another hour and a half of class. Okay. That's where we go and we sit down and we have conversations. And you build relationships. Mm -hmm. And we run this as a pack, we call it. You're part of our pack. It's your, our family. And we treat this as we're family. Mm. Because I know how hard the first day I went to train my dog, I just put my life in somebody else's hand for the first time in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I knew that if it didn't work, it was my last resort. I literally had the plan. So if this doesn't work, this is what's gonna happen, mm-hmm. and it's taken care of. Mm-hmm. And I sat outside the building for about an hour beforehand, and I cried, and I wrote down everybody that walked in the building. And for about six, Five to six weeks, I probably hid in the corner and didn't talk to one person in the room. 
And the next thing you know, I started having conversations because everybody in there was like me. And that's what got me through it was having friends again, like battle buddies mm -hmm. that I could go, hey, this is why I'm feeling and nobody would look at me twice. Because if I told that to my anybody in the civilian world, they're going to That's go, not macho. That's yeah. not. Or yeah. they'd look at you and go, what is, like, what is wrong with you? That's, yeah. And I'm like. I commend you for being vulnerable, especially to talk about something that is very difficult. I really do. Um, you've got two parts of it here. You've already talked about the military part, and then you talked about being a man. And I have a son who's 28. He didn't do any of the military, anything like that. Um, and I never allowed him to not cry. I encouraged if he was upset, you tell me your emotion, show me your emotion. I wanted him to be a whole person versus a broken person because society says, you're a man, suck it up. You know, and so I commend you. Thank you. And then for Jana to be able to recognize, probably as a teacher as well as a mom, to recognize the things that you were needing. So I want to do well, that Well, I for think, you. you know, a big part for pause, at least from, I think, my perspective is when I when he was training a service dog, I was like, that's him. That's for you. This is not for me. And boy, was I one of your biggest sabotagers. I, I didn't realize, you know, because he'd be like, don't give Gus that cheese. And I'm like, oh, come here, Gus, it's okay. <laughs> and I was like, and then yeah, break the rule. when I came on and I was fortunate enough to learn to become a dog trainer myself and work with veterans. And that's when I realized I'm so sorry. Like I should have been your biggest supporter and I just thought it was something for you and it wasn't anything I should interfere with. And it was during that process that when I was talking with all these veterans and their family members, especially the spouses or their significant other, um, they would say something. I'm like, oh, yeah, Ryan does this and, and this is how I handle that. And it would have those conversations. And then by the end, they're like, I'm not, I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. And that's really what it gave me as well as I had a support system too because as a caretaker you tend to just deal with everything at hand and then whatever extra energy you have you bottle it up and try to save it for yourself for 15 or 20 minutes but um, it gave me a support system and then it made me realize we were actually ahead of the curve on the, our journey in, in healing and how many people were so far behind it right. and the hardest part is you know we've we've met friends along the way and we've watched many marriages fall apart and it's because they didn't have that support system mm -hmm. and they didn't have those key conversations that have to take place, those ugly ones that will just tear you down to the bare bones. Mm -hmm. But the good thing is when you're, when you're stripped away from everything, you tend to work together to build back up. And th that's the goal. Well, it's is, either that or you're going to end up going to the next person and bringing that yeah. same thing. And then you're going to start all over and you're going to get probably more frustrated than you were before than dealing with the person that was there and saw it through. Well, and the, and the thing that we don't talk about, especially getting out of the military, it's the veterans are messed up. Yeah. But my children have PTSD because of me. Oh. My wife has PTSD. Yeah. It's secondary PTSD. Okay. So if you drop a cup in my house and it breaks. Everybody in my house jumps to see if dad's going to have a flashback or if I'm crying or if I'm I, mad. I did that yesterday. I, I, I was cleaning out a cabinet and I had a ceramic pumpkin and I was rearranging it and it just smashed to the ground and he jumped a foot. And, and no one talks could, about that. No, and that's the, why we started Pause. Okay. Was because we have a child that is really sick. Mm -hmm. um, she's dealt with it for since she was 14. She's been through chemotherapy twice. And she's a tough cookie. And there was nobody to help me train a dog for. Mm -hmm. Even the group, like where I was at, I go, they go, she's not a veteran. And I go, it's my kid. Why do you have to be a veteran? But I get because it. Because it's how, it's, it's how, it's how, well, it's, and it's how people the have their bylaws written. Yeah. 
And so when we started pause, the only way I was done training, okay. I was just going to sit at home and play video games and play with my dogs <laughs> at home. I was good. And when we decided to do this, that was a stipulation was we're going to do this as a family yeah. mm -hmm. and we're going to help family members and we're going to help first responders because there's nobody to help them. And that was really, there's a lot of support for veterans, but there's nothing yeah. for these other groups. And the families, like you'd mentioned early on. So before I ask my final question, I do have a final question that's yep. not related to this. <laughs> where, because this podcast is heard and seen, where are you found? So we train right now currently out of the Light and Life Church here in Chandler off of Arizona Avenue. So not too far from a lot of our sponsors that have helped fund our program. And right now we're working on, uh, the church has donated a facility, it's an open like pole shed and we're working to raise funds to get it enclosed so we can have an air conditioner and especially here be in, in Arizona. A, yeah. And be in a consistent spot that yes. has enough space because our goal is six feet is safe space between each team. And so that's, that's at the forefront and, of everything. And for us, it's having a safe spot that they can come every week, that they have consistency. Trying to deal with mental health is a tricky animal. And the more consistency we have, the better it is, the healthy it is for the veterans and the people coming in that are dealing with it. And so that's really for us is... Well, and that's what you guys were used to having was a yep. certain schedule of things. So it yep. makes sense. And yep. there's people that yep. are not veterans that have a certain schedule of things and then you take them off of it. Yep. And but military, <laughs> we're really bad. Absolutely. <laughs> um, um, Scheduled perfection and yeah. no, no room for mistakes. And the website, what is yep. it? You can find us at pupsandwarriors.org. And I th we have a Facebook account. It's Pause, and I think we have an Instagram account. Pause but it's, with two S's. Yep. Yep. And it's and, and it's pups and the letter N. Yeah. Pups and warriors. Okay. Okay. We'll make sure that's available. So I have one final question, and this question is: If I only had one question to ask anybody to get an idea about who they are or think that I have, which we could never do that, yeah. <laughs> but this one sums it up. Um, I'll start with Jenna. Okay. What message would you like to leave everyone based on your journey of your life? That you are here for a reason and everybody has a purpose. And sometimes when you think you're at the rock bottom, you just shouldn't give up. There's always another door of opportunity that's going to open. And we go through life comparing people like leaves and branches and roots to a tree. Mm -hmm. And so there's going to be people in your life that will be leaves and they will come in for a short time, serve their purpose, and then they're gone. And you, and it's fine. And you should be okay with that. And then there's branches. And those are the people that are there. But when things hit rock bottom, they're gone. And then you have your roots. And your roots are there through thick and thin, through all the pain, all the horror. And they stand the test of time. And so that's what we've want people to realize that you do have a purpose and we are your pack mm -hmm. and we will be your root system for as long as we're here. So don't okay. give up. Don't give up, yeah. Mine's, mine's a lot the same of you're not alone. Mm -hmm. um, we, lost a really, we lost a friend in December that I served with who was literally, he, I looked at him like G.I. Joe. Cool. And we lost him to suicide last year. Mm -hmm. And it was a real kick in my shin for me mm -hmm. of it's one of my own, and I do this for a living trying to help people. Mm -hmm. And it's, you're not alone. Reach out. Because, and that's why I'm so vulnerable. That's why I tell my story. I don't like to. But somebody has to be a voice for, for the group. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. But as long as it reaches the one person, 
and they go, I have a problem and I can get help, that's why I do it. And it's really, you're not alone and you're, you're needed and we love you. And everybody and this, has a purpose. And this is our best medicine. Yeah, this is, this is mine. This is, it's not a prescription either. No. Let's play together, stay together. Yeah. Oh, I, I love that <laughs> phrase. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you both. And Goose. And he had a rough job today. He slept on the job. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you both, again, for being vulnerable to giving us a little more information about what you really go through with PTSD, veteran, first responders. And then the other parts that people don't talk about, which is the second part of PTSD, which is the family members. Yep. Yep. I appreciate yep. you both. Thank you for joining us.